0: Welcome everybody. This is the True Talk Cafe podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited that you're here. Our podcast tackles a myriad of topics ranging from relationships to personal development and everything in between. Today, we're gonna discuss a topic called Soul Wounds, Love Doesn't Hurt. This discussion may hit home for some or all of us but we feel it's important to explore the topic of domestic violence with the hope of helping others. But first, let me introduce you to the pod crew. First, we have Anna Garcia. Hey, Anna. Hey. And we have Carla Decor. Hi, Carla. Hey. Hello, hello. And Miss Lolly is feeling under the weather today, but we'll do a shout out to her as well. Hi, Lolly. <laughs> uh, my name is Renee Stewart. Collectively, we swam. Four generations, we've all experienced ups and downs in our personal lives and professional careers that have qualified us to share our unique perspectives with you, and we're excited to do so. Before we get into today's content, though, I wanted to let you know where you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook. You can use True Talk Cafe to find us, and on Twitter, use at True Talk Cafe 1. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and leave us a review. We definitely value your feedback. We want to ensure that we provide the content that resonates with you. So please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts.
1: All right, so spoiler alert. So we are so excited about today's show because we have a special guest. So as you know, or may not know, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we have a special guest who will share with us some important things to know and maybe tips to recognize what domestic violence is. So please stay tuned to what is to be an impactful discussion. Also, stick around to find out how you can join us on a live show. Now, let's get started.
2: Hello, everyone. Ana Garcia here. Today, we're going to be talking about domestic violence. But what is domestic violence? Sometimes it is often confused with just, you know, partner to partner abuse, physical abuse. However, domestic violence is much more than that. It does affect marriages often or just any type of cohabitation. It includes physical, verbal, emotional, economic, religious, reproductive and sexual abuse, which can range from subtle to coercive forms, to marital rape, to violent physical abuse, such as choking, beating, female genitalia mutilation, acid throwing that results in disfigurement, and so many other things. Most people think that domestic violence is a private family matter and choose not to get involved. However, domestic violence impacts the community in surprising ways. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, as Carla mentioned, and the perfect time to bring it out of the shadows. Domestic violence tears the very fabric of our community by dismantling family units and causing a ripple effect of repercussions that are felt for many years. One of the most lasting consequences of domestic violence is the harm it does to family bonds. So yes, the end community as a whole is impacted. To share a little bit more about domestic violence, as an expert, we have Ms. Blanca Garza. Blanca graduated with her master's in counseling psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute in Carpinteria, California. She also holds her MBA from the University of St. Thomas and a bachelor in French and Spanish with a minor in Italian from the University of Houston. She currently works as a bilingual psychotherapist at the Center for Creative Resources. She works with BIPOC communities, which if you do not know, that stands for uh, communities of color and uh, normally underrepresented. And the focus of her studies has been in depth psychology where she ana- analyzes the relationship between the conscience and the unconscious incorporating mythology, somatic work, and other creative modalities. Her thesis work and research has centered around the archetypes of the Latina woman, including the archetypes of the warrior goddess and the enslaved virgin. Currently, she co-facilitates groups centered around race-based trauma and diversity and inclusion. Welcome Blanca to our show today.
3: Thank you. Thank you for having me here
2: today. What a great panel. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, Blanca. The first question I'm really just going to ask is for you to share why you think it is important for us to raise this awareness and have this conversation today.
3: Well, it's uh, really important because uh, domestic violence is one of the top priorities for us as a community. It is prevalent in all communities, but Certainly in BIPOC communities and uh, communities of people of color, where we just experience a lot of cycles of abuse that continue and perpetuate.
2: Perfect. And the reason I asked that, guys, because I wanted to share a personal story with you guys, right? Sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse doesn't necessarily have to be an ongoing cycle. Sometimes it happens once in your life, and even though it's difficult, you try to tear yourself away from that. I like to share a story. When I was 17 years old, I had a boyfriend that one day asked me, hey, can you come give me a ride? I'm stuck over here. And I said, sure, why not? I went to pick him up. And all of a sudden, he starts attacking me, telling me, I know what you were doing. I know what you were doing. I was like, what was I doing, dude? I came to pick you up. Right? So what exactly am I doing? And it became very violent, very accusatory. And it started off like you know a mind play like i i know what you were doing well, what the heck was i doing and it became very abusive i want to say i left that i left that place beaten bleeding um and hurt i was in a place where i couldn't get out of he actually whenever i'll give you a little bit of background the guy had never done this to me before he had never showed any of these signs so sometimes it is a very silent uh you know person. You know, they don't, they do this. They probably have done this for years and you just never know it. They seem like a normal, you know, Anna, Carla Renea Blanca, right? But they're not. And um, he was perfectly normal. But that day I remember like he just went crazy. I had no idea what was going on after accusing me. I mean, I thought he was joking. So I laughed it off for a little bit and then he just started attacking me. And when I say attacking me, I had never been hit by a girl like that, much less a guy. So it was very, it took me off guard. I did defend myself. I fought him off. And unfortunately, at 110 pounds at the time, I was not very strong for a 200 plus guy. And I was not able to win. The worst part was he left me in an upstairs uh, garage apartment that had a retractable ladder, which he took with him when he left me up there. And I did not know what to do, right? Where do I go? I, couldn't jump out a window. Believe me, I thought about it several times. And he took the phone out of the the apartment. He left me with nothing there. And back in those days, guys, we didn't just walk around with cell phones like everybody does today. But I remember he left the hand base in the apartment and took the, the, the handset only so I could dial out. I just didn't know if it was dialing out. So I remember holding that hang up button down just counting to 10, dialing 911, hoping the call went through, hanging it up again, You know, doing it again. And finally, somebody said 911 is on their way. And I, I felt relieved. However, what he did was remove me from that apartment and put me in his next door neighbor's house with two Rottweilers at the door. So unfortunately for him, but luckily and blessed for me, he forgot I was with a friend. My friend had been in the corner crying the whole time. And she was there visible when the cops came and they asked him, well, what, you know, somebody else missing. And she was able to speak up on my behalf. And I came out with blood all over myself. Cops had the nerve to ask, do you want to press charges? Well, yes, officer, I do. As a matter of fact, he did get arrested. But get this. He stalked me for months. He would call me collect from jail. It was not a pretty sight. um he did that until the day he actually was killed. Apparently, he had made a complete one eighty of his life and just was doing drugs at this point, which I did not know, and that's what had led him to be this violent behavior person. Um, it was very you know hard for me to deal with, but i I didn't tell people because it was embarrassing. Like, I put myself in that situation, but I have empowered myself, you know it's something that if you talk about, it it happens more. There was also an instance a year later where I was actually taken advantage of. We'll just use that wording for today's purpose. I was a different person. And I said, well, I'm never going to live this life again. I don't want this. I've seen it. I've witnessed this as a child with other women. It's a cycle that I don't wish to be in. And I had to just take it. And it was very hard because I had a restraining order against these people. The cops didn't do anything. They could not help me. So, you know, I had nobody to turn to, you know, because I didn't have a mother to go tell this to because she was not that type of mother you go and tell this to. And it was very difficult. And I didn't even tell my friends. I was ashamed. As a matter of fact, I didn't share that with my mom. She knew about the first guy, the abusive one, but she didn't know about the one that took advantage of me until maybe three years ago. And that was a long time ago, right? Uh, I have 21-year-old kids, so I was, I was younger than them. They are today uh, when this happened. But it was a very difficult situation, but I also felt very empowered by talking about it, Blanca. And I know that's part of your job. You listen to women come and talk to you. And I wanted you to be here because I want other women that experience what I did or young girls that experience what I did to know that there are resources, there are people and that there are opportunities for us to learn from them and avoid them, right? So tell me a little bit more, Blanc, about your day-in and day-out work and how this situation seems to happen often.
3: Yes, I mean, you know, it's it's so unfortunate. And even, you know, as I hear you speak, it's like just, it's a really, really sad and and devastating and, and you know, traumatic experience that you went through. And there are so many uh women and and men. Men also experience uh, violence that goes unreported often, but mostly it's, you know, it's towards women. And so it's, it's a cycle of abuse that for, in your instance, it was just, you were blindsided by it. It was something you didn't expect. You didn't even, you know, you would have never thought that this would have happened to you. And he was essentially a predator, you know, predator at some point that started coming after you and, and victimizing you in this way. And it it was, you didn't even have any signs of it. And so you found yourself, I mean, luckily you, like you said, you were in these, you know, that certain things happened and you, you had the wherewithal enough to, you know, to try and help yourself and your, your friend was there and, um, So it's, you know, a lot of times it's these uh, cycles of of abuse where there's a tension that builds, incidents happen, and then there's maybe a reconciliation. In your case, it wasn't that exactly that way, but it's, you know, it it continues to cycle in 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 many, many instances where reporting doesn't happen. For you, you reported right away. And so that person was taken care of, but you like you said you know even though you had restraining orders and they weren't really following that luckily we are getting we are getting into uh, laws that are holding people accountable I mean I just I was just on a call sitting on a call yesterday where uh, some new laws have just passed that uh, do have accountability and and do also uh, start to put people in the system so that they see you know what priors that they might have or other incidents that they might have. That is why it's so important to always, always, always report because maybe, you know, in that instance, something might not happen, but you'll have it on record. You have it in the file. And, I'll, and, I, and I know that a lot, ha- a lot of times women are too afraid to report. You know, they, they don't know what might happen, what might happen to them. In your case as well, you didn't feel like you could talk to your family about it because a lot of times there's a lot of shaming around it. It's like, what were you doing? What were you wearing? What were you, you know, where were you? You shouldn't have been in that place. Or uh, so a lot of the blame falls on women, which is, you know, another thing that we, we need to start changing. And the way we start changing that is, you know, by supporting each other, by maybe thinking about creating like a, you know, who is on your, in your tribe, who is on a, make a list. Who might you call if something happens to you, whether it's, you know, in domestic violence or whether it's, you know, just when you're out on the, on the road, maybe you've, you you uh, get stuck on the road with your car or something, but you know, who is on that, on that list? And, and maybe you're, you're going to say, well, I, I don't have anyone. Like I don't have friends. You know, a lot of times, partly what happens in domestic violence is the isolation. The partner starts to isolate the, uh, the victim from their family from their friends they stop going over they stop calling them they start so there's this this gradual thing that eventually turns into like you have no one around you so it's it's important to always try to keep you know those those avenues open for yourself the communication open with friends with family it's it's you know some of the things that you think about or that you might think about in an abusive relationship are you know is this person controlling? Are they toxic? Are they calling all the time? Are they really jealous for nothing, you know, for what seems to be nothing? Is there sexual obligation? Like, are they obligating you when you don't want to? Is it forced? Is there alcoholism? Is there drug abuse? So these are all things to kind of look at that could be red flags into, you know, things that might happen. And sometimes we normalize these things like, oh, it's just a party. Oh, it was just a drink. Oh, it was just one time. And, you know, one time will turn into another time and another time if those things
2: don't get checked. Right. Thank you. I have a, a you know, I read somewhere that one in five women are victims of physical violence, but one in seven men are also victim of physical violence. And you mentioned that, you know, it, it's not a woman only problem. It's everybody, right? Everybody gets impacted, but. What about the children of these victims? What do you see? What are some of the signs that people need to be aware of? Or what is the impact that you've noticed on these children?
3: Right. I mean, sometimes, you know, for the children, maybe they're withdrawn or too withdrawn, you know, extra shy in the classroom or maybe you know, come to school or don't come to school or come to school late or, or, um, look maybe depressed or, and the other end of that, the other side of that could be bullies, you know, are they bullying the other kids? Are they, so, you know, when we think about trauma, we think about sometimes you've probably heard of like fight or flight. So either are you going to fight about this? Or are you going to fight under stress, under duress, or are you going to completely withdraw and dissociate maybe from situations. So that's, you know, something to kind of look at, but, you know, and a lot of times people stay in relationships and they stay just to keep the family together. You know, it's like, well, that's the best for the children. And we, you know, we can't separate and, uh, but is it, you know, is it the best for the children? Is it the best situation for them to grow up? and maybe even repeat those patterns in their lives in the future, whether it's as victims or perpetrators, so it's, you know, it's something that we think about a lot of times is, again, the shame around it and 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 not wanting to maybe rock the boat or or a lot of times, you know, families, uh, extended families might not support you in your leaving the situation. And so it's it can be very, very difficult. But, you know, knowing that there are more resources available than they used to be. You know, I think maybe when this happened to you, Anna, you know, there wasn't, you called 911, but like the aftercare or maybe dealing with a trauma, like, I'm not sure that there were as many uh, resources available to you at that time.
2: Okay, calm down. I'm not that old. <laughs> no, but you're right. And and that has definitely changed. And I, I do love that. And that brings me to another point. You know, when you think about it, I myself have been guilty of this and Carla, Renee, you... Probably will weigh in once I say this, but there's been times when you see a woman, a man or somebody being abused on a consistent basis and you think, well, why does she stay in there? I think that is something I personally had to work on to get to where I am today to stop judging, girl. You don't know her story, right? I had to tell myself that because I don't. I don't know her story and I don't know her circumstances or his circumstances or the child circumstance and who the heck is Anna to think that she can just say, why is she in that? You know, because to your point, when it happened to me, well, what did you do to deserve it? Right. I did absolutely nothing. You know, I was just there. So uh, Renee, Carla, does that resonate? Sometimes we do that as humans. Absolutely, I think that on a
1: personal level, I know someone very close to me who was going through um, through that an abusive relationship, and we used to always say, "Well, why why would you stay? Don't just get up and go. You know, you don't have to put up with that." But you're right; you don't know what what is going through that person's mind, and I did have to work on that myself as well. And instead, just focus on how can I be some type of support to this person. Uh, So at least she knows that there's someone that is there to help her. So I agree. I totally agree with you. We have to find a way to not judge
2: and just be a supportive friend. So for us to be able to do better, Blanca, what should we look for? How do we respond versus how we tend to respond?
3: Yeah. Like you said, I think a lot of times there is judgment about, you know, why people stay in the situations or, and, you know, it's like, like you also said, it's not, it's not one thing, you know, it could be cultural. It could be, it, you know, could come from the fear of the isolation, uh, from the shame, from the loneliness and sadness that you might feel. And also, you know, taking into account the children. Like a lot of people think it's just better to stay uh, for the children and, and, you know, where, where will I live? How will we eat? How will we? So these are, you know, it it does get very difficult. So it's, um, I think where we start to change that a little bit is, is the support, you know, if maybe you know of a resource that this person could have, or maybe, Telling them, hey, if and if you ever need a place to stay, you know, you could stay with me, or um, just support in that way is very, very helpful. Mentoring, mentoring younger people, also mentoring the children, you know, to know that they have somebody that they can go to and talk to. And a lot of times, there's, you know, a, a, a trust issue, trust with authority or trust with institutions that also get in the way of people not reaching out and, and seeking help.
2: You know, and it is going to be a learning curve for everyone though, right? Because we all learn things in a different way. We we use our personal experience to shape the way we think people should react, right? So if we've been blessed to have a certain lifestyle or unfortunate to have another lifestyle, we do prejudge based on those experiences. So, uh, yes, you answered the question, but I do, you know, I agree. It, it's going to be different for everyone. Now, I know we've said several times we're focusing on the people of color, you know, black, indigenous, people of color, BIPOC, right? Like we said. However, this is not just a people of color, color thing, people. I have read so many different stories of everyone being impacted, you know. This is the one thing that nobody is except from. I've also read that a lot of parents, predominantly white parents who have been raised in an environment with many can hide these things a little bit more easily, right? Like, you know, oh, well, they look like the perfect, you know, family. They're not They're not dealing with this. But how can we take some of these experiences and notice key signs to know whether we are involved in, a, in an abusive or one that could Become an abusive relationship, regardless of where we sit, where we look like from the outside, what are some of the things I as an individual with my husband could look like? Although guys, twenty five years later, I'm pretty sure he's not that guy. <laughs> but, you know, signs that as a person we can look into when we're in a relationship or a new relationship.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you start noticing, uh, you know, gaslighting is often like really prevalent. And so what is gaslighting? You hear that term kind of kicked around a lot. And it's really like uh, invalidating your feelings and invalidating what you're experiencing. So, if, if for example, there's a big fight, and then it was like, "Well, I, you know, I barely touched you. Come on, I really love you. It's, I didn't mean it. You know, you're exaggerating. It's, it's just a tiny bruise. You hit yourself on the." coffee table, you know, things that really start to invalidate when you don't have a witness or you don't have an, and you've already been, you know, abused, uh, mentally, physically neglected, maybe all of these, you know, there's, there's other things going on in the home as well. So you might, you start to doubt yourself and go like, wait, maybe I did fall. Maybe I did hurt myself. Maybe I did, you know, maybe I am exaggerating. Like, am I angry all the time? Like, Is it me that's the problem? So you start to internalize issues that are going on when it's really not you. So those are things to watch out for. Like, are you internalizing? You know, it's things that are not who you are. Like, maybe check it out. And that's why it's so important to like try to reach out to somebody because uh, someone independent, maybe even outside of the family, does you know, seek seek out one of the resources, seek seek out a therapist call, call a a hotline and, and say, you know, this happened to me and I'm, I'm not sure, like, what does it mean? You know, maybe I need help or, and, and maybe that's where something will come out and it will be like, well, you know, you're in an abusive relationship. You know, you might not have noticed it, but this, this is not normal because a lot of things get normalized in our, in our families, especially if, if this has happened, if this has been a pattern that we grew up with, uh, then you, you think, well, this is how everybody else lives. This is normal. This is, you know, being hit a couple of times. is not a big deal being yelled at or cursed at, or, uh, you know, pushed around in front of the children or just any number of things you use, if that's how you grew up, you think, well, that's, that's just normal. That's, doesn't everybody, doesn't every family go through that? And no, every family does not go through that. Like that should not be normal. That should not be how your life is, is, is living, you know, is you're experiencing your life. That's abuse.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So we do know that one in four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime there's four of us here. I've already shared my story. Mm. Um, I know Carla, you mentioned that you were indirectly impacted. How about you, Renee? Do you have a story you want to share with us, whether it's indirect or directly impacting you? Yeah. I'm going to take a different
0: perspective as the employer Mm. when you have that, that situation. And I've had to help at least three, three women Mm. uh, in the workplace and Basically, I mean, looking for signs and even for like, you know, our, our management team, you're getting absenteeism. These people that typically are not uh, withdrawn, they're kind of drawn within themselves. Uh, their per- personalities are changing. They're especially uh, one was a manager and it was happening, but they're coming in and you're noticing marks on them, you know, and they're making excuses. So, typically, when it's brought to my attention, I'll just speak with them and just ask them if they're okay. And you have to make them feel comfortable, you know, and just say, yeah, kind of, we've kind of noticed uh, some changes in you and in your behavior. And I, for me, they opened right up. They really did. And I think it's because we had already built a trust because they had been with the company for a bit. So they knew me and they knew they could trust me. And they would let me know what was going on and just trying to get them help. I didn't say, well, you got to leave them. You know, that's the worst thing you can do. You just kind of say, you know, where are you? Have you spoken to your family about this? Or, you know, some might have, some might have not. Again, you know, they'll say the shame of it. They don't dare tell their, you know, family for fear of other violence happening. One girl in particular, her situation, she had gotten away from the guy and then he was calling her and calling her at work and she actually even moved. And somehow he got her number and through a friend or something that didn't really know what was going on. And so started harassing her again. And I guess he asked her to meet, meet up at his mom's house. So she thought she was safe. And she didn't go inside, he got in the car, and the kind of argument ensued. And then he started bashing her head on the steering wheel. So, you know, she, what she did, she laid on the horn and then he got spooked and the mom came out, his mom. However, his mom defended him, even though she had, you know, was just bloody all over. Cause you know, the face and the head bleeds really, really easily. And they did get her an ambulance. But at that time, she ended up leaving there. But the after effects of it, though, is the worst. Because then she got to a point where she felt like, I don't know, something happened with her where she ran out on the freeway and was trying to take care of it that way. But this was a good thing for her because then she was able to get the help that she needed. And she ended up leaving our company. But three years later, she's still friends with a couple of the people that work there. Three years later, she came back and she, you know, she came to my office and she's like, Renee, I just want to thank you for helping me at that time. She's like, I went through a lot. You didn't shame me. You just helped me. And I so needed that. And she goes, I'm in a better place. You know, she pressed charges against that person and they actually stuck which was really good and she's like I'm in such a better you know place I'm working at it. one of our competitors <laughs> she's worked in there and she's doing great so it was just so nice she's like I was you know having lunch with this person but I had to stop into your office and let you know how much I really appreciated what you did for me and you've got to have that employer you have right. to
2: yes.
3: And that's, that's a perfect example of how, you know, we can support each other and, you know, you're, you're seeing this, you're, you're witnessing the changes coming on. You're witnessing how the, how, how her personality had changed, how there was some bruises, how, you know, you, you knew that there was something going on and you didn't ignore it. You know, you, you gave her that support that she needed, that, you know, that, that was enough in the end you know to actually even though it took her a while to you know get to where she is today or where she you know but that first step you going to her and talking to her about it it's probably you know made her feel like oh, wow someone someone is someone sees me someone is listening someone is looking someone is you know can help me and and that makes all the difference in the world so that's, you know, that's, that's amazing. Also as like you said, in the workplace and it goes across the board, like Ghana said, there's not an age range There's not, there isn't it culturally like one culture or another. I mean, it is, and it, and it's not also just because of your, if you're in a certain income bracket, but so, so yeah, it's, it's important just to kind of watch and see and help each other and support each other in those ways whenever we can.
1: If I can add something briefly, too, um, I had a similar situation with an employee that I, I care for very dearly. And one day she called and, and she told me she showed me a photo and she had a, you know a black eye and she's like oh okay. I just this happened to me pretty much, and I think sometimes they're just looking for affirmation that a decision a big decision that they're trying to make is a correct one, so I, I like Renee I just listen and, and and I share you know what do you want to do how can I help you, and you know at that time she decided to just move away. And I reassure her that is a great option. I I think you should do it. And she did it, you know, but I think sometimes they know what needs to be done, but they need someone to kind of reassure them that that is the right step.
0: Yeah. The other thing I'd like to add with that, which I think is crucial, and I believe, Blanca, you uh, had said something about this, is pressing charges. And they're so afraid to, you know, face them again right? But how I explained it was you have to empower yourself. I go, take your power back as it, because they made you feel like you were powerless. Mm-hmm. But you have to face them and take your power back. Right, right, and that's what that person did. Right,
3: yeah. Report, report, report. That is that is so important. And yes, there's a lot of fear around because a lot of times that person is stalking or is mm-hmm. calling or is you know doing things. But it's like report that as well. Continue to to report. And, and so there is a paper trail, which mm-hmm. also becomes very important if you, you know, if you are married to this person and, and you go into divorce proceedings and it's like, well, you never it you know, then what we don't know, you know, they will not know they need, they need that paper trail for their files, for your children's benefit, for, you know, for yourself. So, you know, always report which is, is not easy, but yeah, finding your voice and, and, or, and, and like, you know, a couple of examples that you guys have given is like, you know, these people, someone came to you, or maybe you reached out to them and it didn't take that much for them to feel like, wow, I'm, I'm supported by someone, like someone is telling me you're validating. So that's also, you know, very important to
2: have. Great advice, ladies. And, you know, you just, Made me remember something. Just this past weekend, I was at my mother's house and she told me about my brother's classmate. My brother's a couple years younger than me. And his classmate was being abused to the point where the police officer husband would come home tell the kids. Go to the room. I'm about to beat your mom. He beat her black and blue. Luckily, he was arrested because she ended up in the hospital near death. And she had no family. She used, he used that against her saying, you don't have anyone to talk to. And, you know, my mom did ask her, well, how come you never called us? You know, how come you never said anything? You know, but it's very hard. It, It goes back to that shaming and everything. And, you know, but just knowing somebody's there to support you, don't wait. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't leave your children in a vicious cycle that that can come back to them once you're gone. Um, and I know it's a lot easier said than done, but there is help for everyone and, every, and everyone out there can also help. So on that point, I'm gonna ask you one final question, Blanca. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. How has your organization, and do feel free to share the name of your organization, Helped those callers and individuals that you talk to on a regular basis?
3: Well, I am with the uh, Center for Creative Resources, and I'm going to share their number as well in case anyone uh, needs to call. It's 713 461 7599, and they provide uh, counseling on a, a scale. So it just like depends on your income or low income, they see all, all kinds of clients. So there's it's a great resource. It's been around for like thirty years. It's in the Montrose area. They do in person and virtual. So they're a great resources a resource to reach out. But there are, like you said, there's the domestic violence hotline that they get so many, uh, so many calls. And in Harris County, we also have as another resource is the Harris County Domestic Violence Coordinating Council. And so they're working towards, like the name says, like coordinating and they want to hold perpetrators accountable. And so they help victims Uh, find resources. And their number is 281-400-3680. And then there's, you know, of course, dialing 911. If you are in a situation that is dire, that is a life or death situation, or, you know, that you feel there's definitely calling 911. And there, I mean, there's the suicide hotline as well. If you're feeling like really depressed over what's going on, and that number is 800 273 8255 because these a lot of times you know it's not one thing or, or or another a lot of times these these things kind of build on themselves uh, so that you have depression with the with the violence that's going on in the home the lack of maybe you know motivation the dissociation or or just falling into these deep depressions that you're not sure what to do and they will also, you know, help with other resources. There's the women's center where you can stay with your children. So so there are things to, you know, out there to to help and 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 even at work, you know, reaching out to your human resources, uh, in the schools as well, the counselors, and it's a start. You know, it might not be the final person that you talk to, but it's definitely a start in, in getting, you know, getting that, that plan in place to, to leave, to leave the situation, to leave the abusive relationship.
2: Thank you. And guys, we are all based in Houston. So those numbers you heard today are Houston based. However, I am sure whenever you call any of them, you will receive some assistance in finding the appropriate resource. Um, You can also look in your local directory, um, 911, call uh, call the non-emergency line when you're trying to seek these resources. So there's a lot out there. Thank you, Blanca, for all of that information. I I do want that everyone that's listening to to us today is to understand the importance and the impacts of domestic violence. I want to share some final statistics with you before we close out today's show. Every nine seconds in the United States, a woman is assaulted or beaten. You already heard one in four women will experience domestic violence. One in five and one in seven will be victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner. It is also the leading cause of homelessness among families, and more than 3 million children witness domestic violence in their homes every year. But remember when I said this is not just a private issue, it also impacts the community. Domestic violence costs more than $37 billion a year in law enforcement involvement, legal work, medical and mental health treatment, and the loss of productivity at companies. And I am so glad Renee brought that subject up because it does impact all of us. But Be mindful. Domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicide behavior. So be an ally to these men and women, children that might be enduring some of this abuse. Be mindful of your reaction and approach to them and know the resources available so that you can help a friend before you judge a friend. Um, Carla, take it away. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much. That was uh, truly an impactful and informative episode. So thank you again, Blanca, for just spending a little time with us, sharing some great information that I hope many can use um, and and bring forward to other uh, friends. So many of us think that we know what domestic violence is, but sometimes we just don't know. So now we do know. Uh, We know the signs. We know what to look for, whether it is in our relationship or uh, someone that we know, someone that we work for. Uh, with. So um, be alert and know the signs. Let's stay safe, love ourselves, and protect each other. Thank you so much. And um, remember that uh, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. If you want to make a difference and help those who may be in in an abusive relationship, know the signs, um, share the signs, and maybe help a a local women's shelter. I know I do this uh, every year. I call them and I ask them how many kids they have, what are their ages, and I bring them gifts. Uh, for, during Christmas, there's a lot of women there with their children, and many of them have more than four. So if you want to help, that is a great way to help. Uh, they're always in need of donations and volunteers. They have wish lists that you can look through and, and bring whatever you can. Don't forget that you can always also call the hotline. You can go to thehotline.org, uh, whatever you are, and they have different resources there. You can call 1-800-799-SAFE, 07233. If you want to speak with someone about domestic violence, let's so stay safe. So you can also follow our expert on Therapy Houston on Facebook or on Instagram is the Center for Creative Resources. Uh, so certainly follow them. And I'm sure they have other resources that they can share with you if you are in the Houston area. So uh, as promised, here's how to join us as an audience member on our next show episode. We uh, hope that you're just as excited as we are. Simply go to our Talk Cafe Facebook page and send us your request to attend episode four as an audience member. Be sure to use hashtag TTCEP4 and we will respond to your request with our podcast website link and where you'll need to just enter your preferred email address for us to send the audience link to. So just remember to go to our Facebook page. We'll also send all audience members a reminder the day before the show is going to record. So if you want to join us, go there. Register and we'll send you the link. It's going to be so much fun to have us join us live. So hopefully we can do that next time. So as always, we welcome your feedback. So please let us know your thoughts about today's show. Leave a comment or review. We will respond to all comments. So be nice. We'd love to hear your thoughts regarding domestic violence. Um, Share some of your stories, maybe not personal, but indirectly. Uh, And maybe tips that you can share with others. Please do not forget to like and rate the episode. We appreciate you tuning into our podcast and we hope that you join the TTC Crew Facebook page. Again, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook using at True Talk Cafe. Please use the hashtag TTC Talks or True Talk Tuesdays. Recommendations for discussions and topics are always welcome. So we want to ensure that we are providing content that is in some way valuable to you. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button. So thanks for listening. And we hope that you join us on our next podcast episode. We will be doing a follow up on this episode about domestic violence. So you might have seen this in our story news, uh, but we thought it was a very relevant topic in which we can call a beautiful soul Uh, the Gabby Petito story that will be our next episode. So we're we're hoping that you can join us so we can talk a little bit more about that trending topic. This conversation is going to be engaging and hopefully will help someone that finds themselves in the same situation to seek help. So talk soon. See you next time. Bye. Bye,
2: everybody. Bye.